Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, NetChoice, the industry organization representing many of the tech industry's biggest players, including Facebook, Twitter, Google, and Amazon, responds to accusations of censorship and calls for greater regulatory oversight of content moderation on their platforms. Also this morning, pandemic-induced cases of depression, anxiety, and isolation are on the rise. How one woman found the cure for her own despair in helping others overcome theirs. And two-thirds of all those New Year's resolutions will fall by the wayside by the end of this month and 80% by mid-February. We'll tell you why and how you can give yours a reboot. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 25th, 2021. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for cloudy skies today and a high of 33. A wintry mix possible tonight, a low of 30. Be alert for more school buses on the roads and students crossing the streets today as all grade levels in Findlay City Schools return to in-person learning today. Grades K-12 through are returning to a traditional school setting four days per week with Wednesday remaining a remote learning day. Trojan Academy will, uh, will remain in a remote learning model. Preschool students will remain in a hybrid learning model. Parents and students with questions are urged to contact their building principal. Get more details on our website. Big changes are in store for the Interstate 75 County Road 99 interchange on the north end of Findlay. A diverging diamond interchange is coming to that location. ODOT says the new interchange will combat congestion at the important economic hub while reducing the risk of crashes and making travel easier and safer. A diverging diamond interchange can appear intimidating at first glance. Get details on how to negotiate one on our website. The project is tentatively scheduled for 2023. After a lengthy renovation of the old Ace Hardware location at the corner of South Main and Front Streets in Findlay, Movement Church has moved into their new location. Just really felt like it was time to pursue some permanency in the community, and uh, we just always had a desire to be downtown from the very beginning. Lead pastor Eric Ferguson says the church had its first celebrations at their new home in downtown Finley yesterday morning. Previously, they had been meeting at Glenwood Middle School. Get more on our website. The updated resource guide from the Hancock County Board of Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services, Adamus, is now available. The 28-page booklet provides up-to-date information on available treatment, recovery, and support services in Hancock County and surrounding communities, and much more. We have a link to the online version on our website. Paper copies will be available by the end of the month through various community agencies. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. As we get your Monday morning started, if you need a reason to celebrate today, it is a room of one's own day. Everybody needs a room of their own. Today is a room of one's own day. It is Better Business Communication Day, Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day. It is... And you think about that, Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day in 2020, with so much of what we purchased being bought online rather than in person, there's no better time for Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day. Fluoride Day today, brush those pearly whites, Macintosh Computer Day, it is National Irish Coffee Day, National Opposite Day today. 
for doing and saying the opposite of what is usually done or saying the opposite of what is meant. National Opposite Day. I'm, I'm all for that. Had I known that it was National Opposite Day, when the alarm went off this morning, I would have just rolled over and gone back to bed instead of getting up. Do the opposite of what you were supposed to do on a day like today. So the Super Bowl matchup is set. Super Bowl 55 will feature the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady and uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. What a quarterback showdown for the ages. The arguably the greatest of all time versus a legend in the making. The legend versus the legend in the making. Uh, and Tom Brady becomes one of only a handful of quarterbacks who have ever gone to the Super Bowl with multiple teams. And he will be the first quarterback to lead his team into the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Now, no team has ever played a Super Bowl in their home stadium until this year. And interestingly, the NFC is the designated home team. So uh, unless there is some, and we were just trying to figure out if there was an exception or there was some sort of special rule uh, in the NFL rule book somewhere uh, about a home team, you know, a, a team playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium that might try to kind of even out the odds because as the home team, the NFC, we get the home locker room, which is their own home locker room. So the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers presumably will get to wear their home jerseys. They'll be in their home locker room. It'll be a home game for Tampa Bay. And I'm thinking you don't need to give Tom Brady any extra added advantage, no matter how small, no matter, no matter how minute it may be, you don't need to give Tom Brady any extra advantage in the game. But that's the, uh, that's the deal. And kind of interesting, it will be the first time, well, no, not the first time, uh, only the second time that the Super Bowl will feature two teams with a primary color of red in their uniforms. The first time that happened, last year when Kansas City played San Francisco. It was the first time, and that I didn't uh, realize until I was poking around the uh, internet yesterday. It was, last year was the first time two teams with primarily red in their color scheme faced off in the Super Bowl. And this year, the same thing with Tampa Bay and, and Kansas City. I don't know uh, what Vegas is uh, predicting on the line. I haven't had a chance to look at the... The betting lines yet, but what do you think? Would you, would you think Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes? As I mean, the way Kansas City looked yesterday, um, <laughs> that was that was a pretty convincing win. Um, but then again, you know it's Tom Brady, and uh, they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Green Bay to get so. Obviously, they're playing extremely well, but uh, I don't know. I just, what is, uh, what do you think in terms of who's the favorite? I don't know. I guess we'll, uh, 
We'll find out much, uh, much more. But it's going to be really weird this year because ordinarily the uh, teams get to the host city uh, a week in advance. They have media day. They have uh, all of the festivities surrounding the Super Bowl. They have practice in the uh, in the city and they do all of the other things this year. Uh, Kansas City will not arrive in Tampa until like two days before the Super Bowl. Kansas, uh, uh, Tampa Bay obviously will be there in Tampa, uh, so it'll be different for them. But uh, it's going to be uh, just a strange, uh, strange Super Bowl. Uh, again, a lot of uh, and they will have they will have fans. I thought it was really interesting. They said they're going to invite or they have invited first responders, uh, medical personnel from all of the cities uh, where the NFL has teams. are going to be sending uh, medical uh, frontline workers uh, to the game as a thank you for all of the hard work that they have done throughout the pandemic. So that is kind of cool. By the way, speaking of sports, uh, the other big sports news over the weekend, the passing of uh, Hank Aaron, Legendary baseball, in the minds of many, still the home run king. Uh, passed away on Friday at the age of 86. And in the wake of Hank Aaron's passing, some fans are calling for the Atlanta Braves to change their name to the Hammers. After uh, the Hall of Famer's nickname, Hammerin' Hank Aaron. They're going to change the, they want to change the name to the Atlanta Hammers. Um... Uh, uh, Hank Aaron spent nearly his entire 23-year career with the Braves. The uh, team's nickname has, of course, drawn some criticism as being offensive to Native Americans. Uh, the Braves maintain that they view it as a tribute to Native Americans, not a slur. Uh, and there is no indication that uh, Hank Aaron's death would change their stance on that. But I guess if you are going to change the nickname of the team, that one would be one that I would think would be palatable. I don't know that they will, but that's what they were saying, uh, that there is a uh, petition, an online petition has been started to change the name of the Braves to the Hammers in honor of Hammer and Hank Aaron. And uh, crazy, you know, he started his career in the Negro Leagues. And uh, for years, I did not know that. And I, it's just interesting, you think, of the Negro Leagues as happening so many years ago almost ancient history, and yet most of us can remember, certainly in, in my age, uh, in our 50s and, and older, we can remember Hank Aaron playing, and to think that he started his career in the Negro Leagues it just kind of brings that into a more modern perspective. And it was kind of interesting. And uh, how about this? One of the most interesting stories... To start the day, uh, given for many people, the uh, lockdown continues. If you're not locked down at home, you're certainly spending more time at home with fewer things still going on. If you have thought about buying a plant during lockdown, go ahead and do it. Researchers at the University of Seville have found that plants, having plants at home, had a positive influence on the psychological well-being of of the people in the home during the COVID-19 pandemic. A survey of thousands of people from 46 different countries reveals that 74% agreed 
that having plants at home between March and June had a positive influence on emotional well-being during the height of the lockdown. And about 56% went as far as saying that they would have preferred to have more plants in their house during that difficult period. Study participants who had no indoor plants expressed negative emotions related to lockdown more frequently. And those who lived in small or poorly lit homes did not visit or did not visit green spaces before or during the uh, lockdown uh, also reported more negative emotions. So, <laughs> apparently, uh, if you can't have a pet, maybe you're allergic, maybe you live in an apartment where you can't have pets, next best thing, apparently, to buy some plants. I don't know, I just, I, it's kind of a random thing, but I saw it on the uh, Newswire, and I thought, well, that is kind of interesting. So, uh, on this uh, Monday, if you feel kind of blah, if you can, you feel kind of... Is getting to you, uh, all of this, go out and get some plants to make you feel better. There you go. Some of the uh, most interesting, most buzzworthy uh, stories to start off your Monday morning. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile app for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. So in the aftermath of the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol and subsequent actions taken by big tech companies to clamp down on the type of content which contributed to it, a national discussion has emerged on the moderation of that content. Is more regulation the answer? And if not, who then gets to decide which voices are heard and which are silenced? NetChoice is the industry organization representing some of the biggest online players, including Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, all at the center of this discussion. And joining us are Steve Del Bianco, its president and CEO, and Carl Zabo, vice president and general counsel. And gentlemen, the previous administration made it absolutely clear where it stood on this issue. What do you believe we can expect to see with the new administration? Hey, thanks, Chris. The new administration is going to focus like a laser beam at trying to get vaccines into arms and to get us out of the COVID hole that we're in right now. And that's appropriate for them to focus on that. But nonetheless, we are seeing the social media companies like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter are squeezed right now. We spent the last four years being told by President Trump and Republicans in the Senate that we should moderate content very liberally and allow everything and anything to go through. At the same time, President Biden and even candidate Biden insisted on a greater amounts of content moderation. And that squeeze play was somewhat at a standoff until the events of January 6th. And you watched, all of your listeners watched on television that day as our capital was under siege. And at that point, the social media companies turned the dial way to the, to the side of suppressing speech that could further incite violence. And that result has generated a debate that has completely changed the conversation about tech in this country. Prior to January 6th, Chris, think about it. Uh, uh, we were in a position of pandemic with a lockdown. We're a divided nation politically and economically. And America's been losing her place in the world as a leader. But it, in the middle of all that, a bright spot has been America's tech company. The same companies that everyone seems to be angry at today lead the world. 
and enabled us to endure the whole COVID lockdown. Think about it. Your listeners used Zoom and online platforms to be able to connect with friends and family, uh, to learn about the virus and vaccines, to keep your listeners productive in their careers and their education. And it's helped restaurants and small businesses to reach customers that weren't allowed to come into their stores. No question. It's really puzzling that the, that the tech industry itself, which got us through COVID and is going to get us out of it, is suddenly being attacked from the left and from the right. But they're attacked for the opposite reason. One wants more content moderation and the other wants less content moderation. The truth is the administration can't do much about it. We have a First Amendment that prohibits the government from telling your radio station or any of the social media companies what they can and cannot tolerate in speech. Instead, the companies make those decisions and they adjust those guardrails, Chris. True, but also for uh, broadcasters and other forms of news and media, uh, there does seem to be some uh, responsibility. I mean, I know uh, many of us in broadcasting feel a, a there is a responsibility to allow equal access to their platform. And I know we've brought this point up before, and I want to get your take on it since you brought it up. The, the more people rely on the Internet for information, the more this does feel like like a free speech slash censorship uh, censorship issue. Don't tech companies have a responsibility to allow that equal access? It's been pointed out that the Ayatollah of Iran has a Twitter page and Donald Trump doesn't. And no matter how you feel about his rhetoric, that seems wrong. Yeah, think, think about it a second. The, the social media platforms allow anybody to have an account, but they're going to control what is said on that account. It has to stay within the guardrails of their community standards to keep the advertisers and audiences within the expectations. It's the same thing your radio station does, that there is no mandate for equal access. Instead, there's a mantra that says that everybody can have an account until they violate the rules. On January 6th, Parler, the leading right-wing social media site, decided to allow posts that violated standards in the Google's app store, on the Apple app store, and on the Amazon platform. The leading hashtags on January 6th at Parler were stop the steal, and storm the Capitol. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to try to cater to that audience, then you probably have to have extra careful content moderation when there's a real world event happening. When your capital is under attack, you need to be paying attention. I don't think Parler paid enough attention to that. And and Chris, one one thing to to note, you mentioned the the Twitter Ayatollah thing. Turns out that was a fake account. It was a fake account that pretended to be the Ayatollah. And it's already been taken down by Twitter. So one of the things that we've seen actually is a, a disillusionment with not just what's said online, but what's said offline, because sometimes newspapers, news stations, they just get it bunk. They rush to print. And that's what happened with this story of a fake Ayatollah account on Twitter. And what you're going to start seeing is groups like the BBC print retraction saying, oh, oops. We rush to report. So one of the things that we need to do is we need to better educate everyone, both online and off, on how to interact with each other and how to get their news and information. And one of the things that that I think you can't really do effectively online is you can't really silence anyone because there are so many venues and opportunities for people to get their voice out. And if one platform doesn't work for you, you can just go to another. 
you mentioned uh, the uh, trending hashtags on Parler and the number of users that uh, were on Parler uh, that reportedly planned uh, the siege of the Capitol uh, anonymously on that website and on that platform. And this also gets into the area of protecting user privacy versus exploiting it for profit versus allowing law enforcement to identify and track dangerous individuals. And that is a balancing act that the industry has struggled with from the very beginning, really. It is. And uh, companies make different choices about whether their culture will be about real names or whether they'll permit anonymity. Facebook, for instance, is a real name. On Twitter itself, you have to answer to be, uh, to, to, to claim an account to be the legitimate owner of the Chris Oaks account. Twitter will try to verify you. So the platforms themselves make certain choices. They make those choices in order to be able to match their community standards and what the expectations of the audience is. So you're free to start a social media platform that allows complete anonymity. And when you do, you're still going to be served by law enforcement with the need to identify where something is coming from. So underneath that anonymity, the service is probably going to know who the individual is. Because ultimately, we are all working together to host uh, an environment, an internet, where people can share their news and their views within a set of responsible community guidelines to maintain enough privacy to suit their purposes, but at the same time to enjoy free services that are paid for by, in many cases, advertising. And advertising we, works better when the characteristics are known. We mentioned the conversation over uh, who gets to decide uh, uh, all of this and, and uh, oversight and of moderation and so on and whether regulation uh, is the uh, answer. What are your recommendations for this new administration for the tech industry itself? Can you continue to police yourselves? What kind of regulatory oversight, if any, do you feel would be reasonable? What are your members most fearful of with, in terms of possible regulation? Yeah, great questions, Chris. Uh, there'll be an ongoing debate about whether the Biden administration can have its way in terms of social media moderating much more strictly than we have in the past. The good news is that the administration can't control that. The First Amendment prohibits the government from telling social media what kind of speech to permit. That's what the First Amendment was designed to, to protect your radio station and to protect our members from the government censoring speech. So that's a conversation that'll have a lot of noise, a lot of sound and fury, but won't really result in new regulations. The one regulation our industry is concerned about is antitrust. I mean, Chris, for decades, what antitrust in America has been about is punishing companies that have monopoly market share, 70% and up, and punishing them if those companies are harming consumers. And that standard is one that we'll do fine with. What we can handle, though, is a change in antitrust law to where suddenly uh, social justice and progressive policies can be pushed through the antitrust law to impose environmental and labor standards. Uh, wealth and income equality standards. This is what some in the new administration would love to do with the antitrust laws. Uh, that's an inappropriate use of the law, and that is one of the things our industry is watching very closely. Still an awful lot to unpack uh, on this issue, but unfortunately we will have to leave it there for now because we are out of time. Steve Del Bianco, President and CEO, Carl Zabo, uh, Vice President General Counsel of NetChoice, Thank you both for joining us, sharing your views this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris.
Well, you know, over the past 10 months or so that we have been dealing with this pandemic and the way that it has upended our lives and robbed us of so many of the things that we enjoy in life, it has not surprisingly led to a rise in reported cases of depression, anxiety, feelings of isolation, and so on and so forth. Perhaps we can learn something about how to deal with that despair from Tiffany Mosier. She is author of the new book, Beauty Beyond the Threshold, How International Volunteering Saved My Life. And Tiffany, when you say saved my life, you mean that in the literal sense, right? Yes, absolutely. So a few years ago, about seven years ago, going on now, I suffered from severe depression uh, to the point of near suicide attempt. And I needed something to help bring me out of that depression. I just couldn't figure out what it was. And it wasn't until I started traveling to volunteer that I discovered myself again and found purpose and it built my confidence. So it really did, in fact, save me. So there you are at the end of your rope, hitting rock bottom, contemplating suicide. How did you come to decide that looking outward to helping other people get over their hardships was the way to lift you out of yours? I had done volunteering before in my local community, Mm -hmm. uh, but I knew that I needed to do something really, really big to help me find purpose. So I decided to travel to volunteer in disaster response after Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. Mm. So I wanted to travel. I wanted to get away, but I wanted to help somehow. And that's what led me to travel to volunteer. Yeah. Because one of the pieces of advice that we often hear is that it's okay to take time to focus on oneself, to put yourself first, to have a little me time. And this would seem to be the exact opposite of that. Are, are you saying that that is bad advice or was it bad advice in in your case? No, I feel that in helping serve others and keeping your mind busy and trying to push yourself to do things that are a little bit different, you learn about a lot about yourself in the process. Mm. You know, learning new skills, doing something different, uh, serving the communities, uh, it really helped make me feel good about myself. And it helped me feel like I was I was contributing to something that was bigger than me. And that in turn helped me feel happy and really gave me more out of those travel experiences. What is it like to go to those places that have been devastated by these big disasters, hurricanes and so on? I mean, I I would think that 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 would make you even more depressed to see that kind of human suffering on such a large scale. It is very difficult to see, you know, homes destroyed and, and hear the statistics of people who have lost their, their loved ones or their And, but what makes it a good experience is that when you are helping people within the communities, they, you sense their gratitude, you sense their, uh, their sense of, of hope in having us there as volunteers. And so knowing that you're changing just one person's life or one family's life can really help, you know, spread that hope to other people in the community. And it really, while it's hard, it's still a good thing because they need volunteers to help yeah. in these in these disasters. How how would you respond to someone who may be saying right now, and I can hear them saying this? You know, this all, sounds all well and good, and and really would be amazing. But this is there's no way that I could do that. It is way out of my comfort zone. What is your response? I would say just. Try 
try it <laughs> because it was way out of my comfort zone too. And I was really nervous. I was really scared because I was, you know, I told myself I can't do the work. It's too far to travel. It's too much. Yeah. But I would, I would challenge you to try it because it's really a life changing experience. And if traveling far out, especially now during COVID, it's really hard to travel. Try to volunteer in your local community because that helps work wonders. Yeah, yeah, that's I was going to say, obviously, you know that you're not going to convince everyone to go, you know, globe hopping, uh, hop on a plane and go to, you know, some far reaching place, although you point out it's a great way to see the world. Um, But you're not going to convince everyone, but you say that that that's okay. You can still find those same joys in your own community, even in your own home. Absolutely. There's so many different nonprofit organizations out there for every passion everyone can have. So if you're, if your passion is working with animals, find a local animal rescue. If you want to work with, you know, the homeless, there's organizations, anything that you find yourself wanting to help or that you're curious about, just do a quick Google search. And yeah, you can help from even at home. There's things that you can do as far as just doing some outreach or, you know, talking to someone, helping inspire them. It can be physical or it can be virtual, but as long as you're doing something, then that can help many, many people. Mm, by the way, should mention that you are donating some of the proceeds from each copy of the book that is sold to various charities, so you continue to give back. This is, has truly become a calling for you. Yes, absolutely. I wanted to make sure that I wanted to give back to the organizations that have helped save me. So uh, every copy that's every paperback copy that's ordered on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, wherever you want to buy it. Um, I will be donating $1 of each copy to organize various organizations throughout the year. And right now I'm going to be donating proceeds to an organization called all hands and hearts, which is a disaster response organization that I volunteered with in Puerto Rico, North Carolina, and Nepal. Tiffany Mosier is author of the new book, Beauty Beyond the Threshold, How International Volunteering Saved My Life. And do you have a website uh, in conjunction with the book? Where can folks learn more about it? Yes. Um, along with Amazon, you can also go to www.tiffanymosier.com. Tiffany, thanks very much for taking the time. Certainly continued success. Best of luck with the book and in uh, your uh, further travels and adventures. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Time now for an update of this week's consumer headlines. And President Biden, after being sworn in last week, wasted no time in moving to protect students and renters who have been impacted by the pandemic. That story and more, here is consumer affairs correspondent Mark Huffman. President Biden, sworn into office Wednesday, has told the Department of Education to extend federal student loan payment deferrals until October. The order adds an additional eight months to the payment pause made possible under a bill passed by Congress at the start of the pandemic. Biden has signed a number of executive orders, including one designed to prevent renters who have fallen behind on their payments due to the pandemic from being evicted from their homes. The order, which would have expired at the end of this month, is extended to March 31st. That homemade cloth mask you're wearing to protect you from the coronavirus might have been effective in the past, but many health experts now say people need more protection. They say an N95 mask would provide better protection against the new strain of the virus that's currently spreading in the U.S. 
Despite those early COVID-19 lockdowns, traffic deaths in the U.S. increased between January and September, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The safety agency said there was less of a police presence on highways, leading many drivers to take unnecessary chances. Don't believe that email that says it's from Netflix and is offering the video streaming service for free to help you cope with the pandemic. The Better Business Bureau says it's a scam. It says the scammers are after your credit card number and other personal information. Honda is recalling more than 27,000 late model CRV and Accord hybrids and Insights. The company says the DC to DC converter may shut down and prevent the 12 volt battery from recharging, possibly resulting in a loss of drive power. General Motors is recalling more than 213,000 older Buick Regals, Buick LaCrosses, and Chevrolet Malibus. The automaker says the rear toe links may have a defect causing them to become brittle and they could break if hit by road debris. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. And one other product recall announced in the past week. Rapala USA is recalling about 128,000 rechargeable fillet knives, electric fillet knives, because uh, the battery can overheat. This is a common problem in rechargeable devices. Battery can overheat, catch fire if non Uh, Rapala chargers are used to charge the battery. So if you don't use the charger that came with the device, uh, you could be in danger there. Those are being recalled for that fire hazard. You can learn more about the latest product recalls and consumer news at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's report on the odd and unusual side of the news, a service of Hancock County Veterans Services and a lottery story to uh, lead things out. You know, the uh, they hit the big the big jackpots, the uh, Mega Millions and the Powerball um, over the uh, past several days. So uh, those are you heard about those stories. This is a a different lottery story with a less than happy ending. A man in Georgia thought he was really lucky when he won $250,000 and a new uh, Corvette in a scratch-off lottery game last, de- uh, last December uh, in, uh, in the state of Georgia. So it's quarter million dollars and a brand new Corvette. But he has had some issues. Uh, Dennis Kaler says he won the grand prize after purchasing a $5 Corvette and cash scratch-off ticket in the Georgia Lottery. The contest promised a prize of $250,000 plus another hundred grand to buy a fully loaded Corvette Stingray and cover the taxes and fees. Uh, but the lottery had not secured any cars for the four winning tickets that were printed ahead of time. So when uh, Mr. Kaler reached out to a local dealer, he was told that the car would cost $10,000 over the list price because the vehicle was such, uh, there was such a high demand for the uh, vehicle. So, so the winnings would, would not cover the cost of the car. Uh, the issue is that Chevrolet had hoped to produce 40,000 of the cars in 2020, but production was cut short by uh, coronavirus-related shutdowns and a strike, so only 20,000 of the cars were produced 
And that means some customers had their orders bumped to the 2021 model year as a result. Mr. Kaler, who is a used car dealer himself, as it turns out, said he was disappointed that the Georgia lottery did not have any agreements in place before launching the game. You would think that if they're going to give away a Corvette, that they would have a Corvette to give away. But no, they just gave, gave the winners the cash and said, go buy your own. Except that you couldn't buy your own. The Georgia Lottery has not released any public comment on the issue. Uh, Chevrolet spokesperson says that uh, the company was not involved with the game at all. Saying, hey, it ain't our fault. <laughs> we didn't have anything to do with this. Little egg on their face. The uh, Georgia Lottery. Oops. Tell you what, thieves gotta eat too. Police in Houston, Texas, apprehended a man who stole an ambulance on Thursday night and then drove it directly to a fast food restaurant with its emergency lights <laughs> flashing. He stole the ambulance, lights and sirens, to head to the uh, local fast food restaurant. Uh, police posted about the incident on social media, noting paramedics were on call when a male suspect jumped in and drove off in the ambulance. Officers tracked the ambulance to a fast food outlet where the driver was at the drive-up ordering food with the emergency lights still on. Suspect identified as Ronaldo Leonard. He was taken into custody on Friday morning. He faces a charge of felony theft. <laughs> the next time before you go out and steal a vehicle, an ambulance or other, well, number one, you got to eat before you, you go and commit your crime. Uh, you don't want to commit a crime on an, on an empty stomach because this is what happens. And second of all, when you steal a vehicle, don't you want to kind of remain inconspicuous in your getaway to, you know, not to draw attention to yourself? <laughs> this guy's flying through town to the fast food restaurant, lights and sirens and everything. Not too bright. But hey, thieves got to eat too. Uh, this is weird. Police in California made a rather disturbing discovery during a routine traffic stop in uh, San Leandro. Cops uh, pulled over a driver, male, and discovered a fully loaded AR-15 concealed in a bag in the back seat. And that wasn't all. A clown mask from the horror movie It and some marijuana were also found in the vehicle. <laughs> and an AR-15 and a clown mask, an It clown mask and some drugs in the uh, vehicle the driver's identity has not been released the suspect was booked into jail on uh, drug and weapons charges police have not re re uh, revealed a motive of what he planned to do with the with the mask and the ar-15 and that's a bit disturbing speaking of uh, disturbing discoveries in texas a pair of house hunters happened upon something unusual while uh, looking at a, at a local property. I mean, you go house hunting. You want to look at uh, all of the bedrooms, the bathrooms, check out the kitchen, check out the backyard. And it was in the backyard uh, that they found the body of a deceased man in a drainage ditch in the backyard. <laughs> the house doesn't come with that, does it? That's going to remove that. Investigators say there were signs of trauma and the body had been there for a few days and autopsy is expected to provide uh, more details. Yikes. No word on whether they decided to purchase the property or they're just like, you know what? 
I think I'll pass. <clears throat> and finally, in today's broken news, this from the international file. Speaking of finding things that you don't want to find in your home, a woman in Australia uh, discovered that someone had been living in her attic for several weeks. Monica Green, a mother from Queensland, tells local news reporters there that she had started to notice things had been moved in her house. Things weren't where they should have been, she didn't think, but she kind of brushed it aside. Maybe I moved it and just forgot. Eventually, though, she came home one day to find the air conditioning system on, a back door open, and some half-eaten chicken nuggets on the counter. (laughs) I think I would remember that. Police responded and found that her attic hatch was ajar, and uh, they discovered a stranger living in the attic. The individual has not been identified as the home camera system, the security system, had actually been disabled, but she has, (laughs) the woman says she has changed her locks. Police are still looking for the suspect. He was not there when uh, police arrived. He had made a getaway. He's still on the loose. That'd be a little disconcerting. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. The odd and unusual side of the news, the service of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. There is an upside to the pandemic that you might not have considered. Hardly anyone is getting the flu this year. When we say hardly anyone, we mean hardly anyone. Popular science notes that in 2019, the U.S. had 65,000 recorded cases of the flu between September and late December. In 2020, that number dropped to just 1,000, from 65,000 down to 1,000. Now, it should be noted that the height of flu season is typically this time, January, February, into the early part of March, and this only tracked cases between September and late December, but still, that is a pretty big drop-off. They say all of the precautions that people are taking not to catch COVID-19, including mask wearing, increased hand washing, social distancing, and just avoiding indoor social activities altogether, are also helping people avoid catching the flu. In addition to that, more people are getting flu shots than before. Research and not wanting to end up getting both. Researchers are studying the theory that there is some type of complex interplay between COVID and the flu, and there is also a fear that the flu will come back stronger next season. But uh, experts note that scary scenario could be avoided if people uh, adapt, adopt these uh, COVID safety protocols more permanently, or perhaps make more of a point to get their flu shots moving forward. 
Well, if you have broken your New Year's resolution at this point, you are certainly far from alone. We've talked about it before. Roughly half of uh, resolutions go by the wayside by the end of this month. 80% by the second week of February. Obviously, we don't go in intending to break those resolutions, but life happens. Mia Sin is with us this morning. She holds a Master of Science in Human Nutrition from Columbia University, a registered dietitian, nutritionist. And uh, so what is it that, uh, that people, as we said, 80% by the second week of February, what is it? Do we, do we bite off more than we can chew? No pun intended. Or you know, what, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, a lot of people make resolutions that are completely new habits, and therefore they're much harder to achieve and follow through with. So my tip for creating those long-lasting habits is to transform something that you already enjoy. So switching from regular chocolate to a sugar-free chocolate or from regular pasta to a veggie noodle pasta like zucchini noodles. So a lot of times I, I get the, the fact that we're trying to do something completely new, completely foreign, and that is uh, challenging. Uh, but at the same time, there are always those people who do have success on uh, certain diet plans or, or something like that. So why do they work for some people and not for, uh, for others? Yeah, I think the key really is to make your resolutions specific, simple, and attainable for you and your lifestyle. So that's why some people find success um, because it just fits with their current lifestyle. Mm. So I have a few tips that I recommend to my clients and readers um, that I think are specific and that anyone can implement. So one of those is to cut back on sugar. I know that's on a lot of people's minds right now. And one easy way to do that is with the Russell Stover sugar-free chocolates, which are made with stevia extract. Um, another great goal is to incorporate fiber and protein into all of your meals and snacks rather than making weight loss a goal because um, this combination of fiber and protein is sort of my secret formula that I share with my clients because it'll naturally keep you satisfied and energized throughout the day. You won't need to count calories. Um, so that's really easy to do, meals and snacks. And then another goal that I think will resonate with everyone after a difficult 2020 is to make mental health a priority. And that can be as simple as taking a short walk each day or setting aside time to journal or meditate. So basically what you're saying is uh, take care of uh, making your diet healthier and the weight itself will take will kind of take care of itself is that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, that's that's a great um, goal when it comes to fiber and protein into your meals and snacks. Um, I that's something I advocate with my clients and readers okay. instead of counting calories. That combination is the most satiating for the least amount of calories. So as long as you're focusing on those two at meals and snack time, then you really won't need to have to count calories. Yeah. I think that the weight will come off if weight loss is your goal. That is uh, an important point because one of the other things that you hear people uh, quite often say is that, uh, you know, I want to eat healthier, but I don't want to sacrifice the taste. Yes. Yes, everyone wants, you know, delicious tasting food, and I don't blame them. I do too. And the key is to find healthy alternatives that put emphasis on taste and ingredients. So one great swap that I like is bean pastas instead of regular pasta. So bean pastas are going to be higher in protein and fiber, and a lot of the time you can't tell the difference. So it's a great way to sneak in more nutrition. Um, I love spaghetti squash as well. That's 
a great pasta swap that's lower in calories and carbohydrates, but high in filling fiber, vitamins, minerals. Now, circling back to, uh, you know, fad diets and diet plans and, and so on, and I, I love what you were saying earlier about um, – uh, about finding uh, those uh, plans that that work within your lifestyle instead of trying to make your lifestyle fit into uh, one of the plans. How do we recognize which ones are? I mean, there are all kinds of out, uh, all kinds of plans out there. Some work, some don't. How do we recognize the warning signs that um, we may be looking at a fad diet rather than something that is that is truly sustainable? I think a lot of these fad diets um, overpromise. So mm. they might say, you know, you can lose X amount of pounds in this many days, and those that's really never the case. Um, registered dietitians, that's really the gold standard when it comes to nutrition and diet. So you can speak to one about whether a diet is reputable, one that um, you can follow. Um, but yeah, anything that overpromises, I would just simply stay away from. Definitely um, falls under fad diet. That is definitely a big warning flag, a big red flag uh, with uh, something that uh, overpromises. So many Americans making resolutions to get active and improve their diet. And as we said, nearly 80% of those uh, will be uh, fallen by the wayside by mid-February. Some advice on how to make sure that you are not among that uh, group this year. Uh, again, uh, Mia Sin is with us, your master's registered uh, dietitian, uh, nutritionist. And where do we get more information? For more information, you can visit my website, nutritionbymia.com and nutritionbymia on Instagram. Link up to that on our webpage. Mia Sin, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that will put a wraps on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show in another sign of optimism, the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts is scheduling shows for the 2021-22 Performing Arts season. Cross our fingers for that. MCPA Executive Director Heather Klo will join us to share the latest updates. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.